Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Friday again, and I'm here with you, Poppy Gibson, to talk about all things behaviour this morning. Uh, We're going to be joined in a minute by our very special guest, Adele Bates, and we're going to be thinking about some of those questions that come up around behaviour, whether they might be from new teachers, from from ECTs, maybe these are things that our kind of trainee teachers are finding when they're going into their classrooms for the first time when they're out on placement. And hopefully Adele will help shine a light for us on some ways that we can really kind of make the most of our presence in the classroom to manage behaviour in a positive way. Hey Adele, Good morning. you're here, it says that you've joined. Good morning. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can perfectly. (laughs) And here I was thinking my new puppy would be the issue. (laughs) (laughs) No, we were just thinking good things come to those who wait. So we've waited very patiently. (laughs) Thank you. And I was, I could hear you the whole time. I was like, I want to add this. I want to add that. (laughs) Don't worry, Tom. Thanks for stepping in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. We do. We just had Tom just, you know, warming us up before you could be here. So welcome, welcome, Adele. How are you? Well, I'm I'm doing all right now, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more stressful than a tech issue, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not known for my tech um, <laughs> abilities. Let's just put it that way. But actually, that time it was some setting thing, I think. But there we go. Well, you solved it. So well done to you. Thank you. <laughs> you're Thanks. here. You're here. And um, perfect timing, actually, because we've got some other questions coming in on Twitter as well that I'll put to you. But um, I know that you're here today, really, to talk to us about behaviour. Um, we spoke with Tom about how we can get our class to listen. But there's lots yeah. of questions I know that you've had coming in from your community, yes. from some from mm-hmm. teachers, some from leaders. So so really, we, we just want your expert advice. <laughs> of course. So let's, let's pick up on that first question. I think yourself and Tom brought up some useful um, strategies there about... Now, this question, I get it, every school that I work with and every trainee every like it comes up everywhere this oh they're not listening they're not listening now you'll hear me say this probably a couple of times during this interview before we can really put in a strategy for any type of behavior we need to know why it's happening so for example if it's just been wet play (laughs) and year two run in and they're all fruity as, that is a very different reason to why they're not listening than if um, they become completely disengaged with the work, it's not been set at a level that's working for them. Um, I remember once I was teaching and uh, I used to teach um, on a Friday afternoon, period five, English, 
And Ooh. because it was a Friday afternoon, I would have that one as my drama session and we'd do all the bloody murder scenes and the battle scenes and all that kind oh, of thing. Oh, wow. And then one week I got this very pleading email from the maths teacher because it turned out this year nine class who I turned into a frenzy on a Friday afternoon <laughs> fifth period <laughs> then had to go and do maths in period oh, six. And the maths teacher was really struggling. And he said that they're fine the rest of the week, but that period after they've come from you and Shakespeare, <laughs> they can't stay quiet. And so it was then my job as a, you know, a team player to um, give them a wind down activity to re-regulate their system so that they were able to focus ready for maths. So you see how if the maths teacher hadn't have done that investigation, if the maths teacher would have just gone, I'm just going to hand out punishments or just tell you off, then you're kind of you're kind of fighting a losing battle because you're not getting to the root of the issue. Now, yeah. it's really important. I'm not saying that consequences might not be needed. You know, you've got your behavior policy you've got to stick to. Um, there'll be ways and values and cultures that go across your school. And you can hold those in at the same time, really look under, okay, this behavior, whether it is, you know, this in this instance, they're not listening, where does it come from? So that's mm -hmm. the first step. The second step, I think I heard you and Tom discussing similar things, is then you have, and this is painful, folks, hold your hats, but you need to go back to basics. You need to reset those expectations. You need to reset those boundaries. You need to communicate. And it can be really, really, really painful and it's absolutely necessary. And there's several times in my career, I've been teaching for over 20 years now. There's been oh, wow. several times where I have just had to stop with a class and just go, you know what? I am spending half of my time saying, year three, be quiet. Year three, be quiet. <laughs> and they are hearing blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and yeah. guess what? They're not quiet. So I have to do a reset. And that. Uh, for me, I talk about it in my book, um, Miss I Don't Give a Shit. Um, I talk about my three non-negotiables. So they are three things that for me, I absolutely need in my classroom. So it could be, you know, they walk into their classroom and they sit in their seating plan without fuss. That could be like number one. Number two could be um, silence during the register. Number three could be shirts tucked in. It's like whatever your again it depends on your environment your behavior policy etc um <laughs> what they actually are is kind of arbitrary because it will also change for each um subject but that kind of resetting is you kind of going okay this has not been working you are not concentrating you're not getting your education i'm wasting my voice let's reset and it's it's going from the start and saying okay the ex does everybody know the expectation does it, and I've seen this particularly post lockdowns, not all young people have necessarily remembered the routines, the um, what's what's appropriate in different settings. And so it's about stopping and going through it very painfully bit by bit <laughs> until they're <laughs> back in that. And then once that's in place, you can then get on with your teaching. And it feels a bit counterintuitive because doing that reset, it might take half a lesson. It might even, I mean, I had one year nine class um, quite a few years ago now, that I just had to spend one whole lesson practicing walking in and out of the classroom without wow. walking. Um, and it was, it was horrible. And inside, you know, I'm a human. Inside, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is awful. But I just had to hold it. And I think that Tom said a useful point. This is not about me shouting. In fact, the more calm um, I can stay and 
also a brilliant tip, especially for trainees. I find the bored face is a lot more effective than the shouty teacher. So, for example, okay, year three, we're going to have to do this again, rather mm-hmm. than okay, year three, we will have to do this because they just turn off. Um, mm-hmm. So, keeping it calm, there's no stress here. There's literally no stress. We're just learning a routine. Now, there's a fantastic TEDx talk for those of you who love it by um, Dr. Rosemary Allen, and I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but she says, when a child can't read, we teach them. When a child can't write, we teach them. When a child can't ride a bike, we teach them. When a child doesn't know how to behave, do we teach or do we punish? Mm. We punish. And to me that, I mean, it just puts goose pimples up my my spine, you know. This is why I'm a behaviour and education specialist. This is why Mm -hmm. I spend all of my time supporting schools with this because there it is. Yes, there may need to be consequences. That will depend on your setting. And... Mm -hmm. How about I teach them? How about I teach yeah. them what kind of um, focus is needed to do trigonometry? What if I teach them what kind of energy is required to play basketball? What if I teach them how to do the best they possibly can in their exams rather than telling them off for getting it wrong? And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's not either or. I'm not saying we do one or the other. I'm saying it, we, we need to look at the whole picture and then we really get to the root of it definitely wow and thank you for sharing that quote from that talk so i'll have to put that on my to watch list Mm. but um yeah so true that so true and i think that that's why for me i never enjoyed when i was a primary teacher those policies that were about you know time out time out of the lessons like for me that didn't have that inclusive feel and again like you say every situation is different but um kind of leads into the next question I went, uh, that's kind of come up for us Adele if that's okay of course <laughs> um because for me when they say you know send a child to the next class if they're disrupting the lesson mm-hmm. um didn't didn't feel like we were treating everyone equally or fairly so the next question that's come up to, to be put to you um how do I treat everyone equally be consistent and account for different needs so what would your response be to that one please Adele I would say, how do I be a superhero <laughs> is essentially the question, isn't it? It really is the question. I, I feel like that is the question of a lot of teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I just want you as the listener to take a moment to remember a time when you've been in this place. So I'm thinking, for example, let's say um, you're doing the register and let's say Warren has ADHD. And the chances of Warren getting through the register without needing to stand up, fiddle about, chat to a friend, <laughs> flick Sarah's hair, pull Sadia's hijab, <laughs> like, you know, that because for, to ask Warren, who's got ADHD, who let's say is seven years old, to sit through the register, which can take up to 10 minutes, mm-hmm. that's, we're setting him up to fail, right? But it's silence during the register, unless you're answering your name, there's always one, Um So how do we maintain, like this is just a tiny, tiny example of what teachers are doing all the time. How do we maintain high expectation? Um, How do we maintain um, equality at the same time for accounting for the fact that that Warren has different needs? And of course, you'd be very lucky if there's only one child in your class who has different needs. So maybe you've also at the same time, you've got um, Mohammed who perhaps he's nonverbal. So how does he answer the register? You know, and you can pick and pick and pick at it. 
So the key to this really, before we go into any practical strategies, is, is the thought piece. Equal does not mean the same. And this is the fundamental thing that I see behaviour policies getting wrong and setting them, themselves up for the fall and setting kids up for a fall. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, if you asked me to um, download an app called Podbean and try and make it work and sort out the settings and, da, 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 and then you ask an IT teacher to do it as well, like it's the same action and yet I'm going to need more scaffolding, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just picking a random example here, Poppy. Just to top my head. <laughs> I feel um, like it, I feel like it's still very raw. I'm sorry, Adele. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm processing. Um, so, so I know that I will need that scaffolding in. But let's say this was a test, a test of I don't know something. You know, test. We give kids tests all the time. Um, then we start. I am behind before we've even started because I haven't, let's say, had as much support around IT. I haven't had as much experience. I didn't have a computer in my home. I didn't have somebody who knew um, how to use a computer to help me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, so now I'm going to uh, take some, <laughs> a real example. Um, I'm thinking of the English GCSE syllabus. I'm an English teacher by trade. Mm-hmm. The reading age for the English GCSE syllabus is 12. Now, I work a lot in alternative provisions, people referral units, as well as in mainstream, my straddle. And I often teach young people who are stepping into these exams without the reading age of 12. So before they've even walked into the room, they are unable to access it, okay, for various reasons. And so it's like, how do we do that? How do we account for the fact that we're doing a spelling test with year six, but we know that, for example, Sarah's parents are able to help her and she's going to do really really well and yet Zach's parents aren't going to be able to help him and he's he's literally not going to have practiced at all and he's always going to do badly and Mm -hmm. so what we start to have to do is we have to start to think okay we're all coming at things from different angles with different experiences so how do we support that within the education within the teaching so is it that we make sure there are times within the week where Zach gets to practice those spellings with an adult or even with a peer so that even if he doesn't get that practice at home, by the time it comes to the test, he's at least had some practice that puts him slightly closer to where Sarah might be starting off. And then we could say, oh, but Sarah's not getting that because Sarah's having to do her maths work instead. And it's like, yeah, because Sarah doesn't necessarily need that. Maybe Sarah needs help with her maths. So you can start to see here how, I mean, that's why I jokingly said, how do you be a superhero? Because it comes back to the same point in the first question. Unless we know where the behavior is coming from, it's yeah. very hard to put in an intervention that works. Um, blanket policies for behavior very rarely work. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even those schools that use them, you'll notice they often have a very high exclusion rate. Exactly. And I think it comes back to that, that great quote as well, which I'm probably misquoting. But behind every behavior is a need. And I think mm-hmm. too often when we're just judging the behaviour, we're forgetting, you know, they, they don't want to be <laughs> throwing something across the room. There's obviously yeah. some some need behind that that isn't being met or, you know, leading to that uncomfortable feeling. Oh, Poppy, I love that example. Just as the listener now, just take a moment 
and think to yourself, either when was the last time you threw a chair across the room or what would have to happen to you as a human being to make you throw a chair across a room where there's other people in it? Like how heightened would you have to be? How distressed would you have to be? How frustrated would you have to be? How angry, how scared? These kind of behaviors, they are, humans only do these things when we're struggling to communicate what we need or we're struggling to get what we need. Mm -hmm. So let's take it to my little puppy, for example. (laughs) Yes, we want to hear about the puppy. We've been dying to hear about the puppy. Um, so um I okay I thought I was a behavior and education specialist turns out with a little puppy (laughs) everything's being undone no um yeah it seems like little puppies are very different from teenagers um so So how how old is she tell us about her first okay yes I will um so she's five months now she's been with me a month um she's a rescue puppy from Bulgaria and um she's called Swodka or Bodka for short for English people and um, what, what does that translate to freedom <laughs> oh that's just beautiful it's really cool my partner's also from Bulgaria I didn't rescue her she came of her own accord um but um <laughs> Subotka, it's a really I love this it's a real uh, kind of traditional Bulgarian name it's but like oh, nobody's called it now it's like a grandma's name so it's like the equivalent of like Ethel or something oh, like that oh I you love know. that really oh. like she was just like, that. it's like, it couldn't be more Bulgarian, this Subotka. Um, She's asleep now and she's a little angel. But there are times where she will bark incessantly, I've discovered. And, <laughs> and what I'm noticing, firstly, I'm noticing how much I react. And, and this has been really interesting for me as a behaviour and education specialist, because I'm used to being told to F off all the time. I'm, you know, I work in spaces where we have some of the most I mean, I work with young people where think of the worst thing a human being can do to another human being. And that has happened to my kids before the age of five. Wow. So guess what? It messes your behavior up a little bit. Um, And I'm deeply, deeply concerned about the British education system because what the model does for them is to punish them further anyway. So what I'm... I'm used to being in these environments with very heightened behavior. And I think sometimes, particularly when I'm supporting early career teachers or trainees, I, you know, it's my job to work really hard to remember, not, okay, Adele, not everyone has your experience. Not everyone's used to being told to F off. Not everybody's used to having chairs thrown at them. And it can be really affecting. And I think it's worth us taking a moment to just, to just acknowledge that and say it out loud. When we're working with young people who have distressing behavior, that is projecting on us as well. And what I see, unfortunately, because the messages that are coming from the Department of Education and the current government about how behavior should be approached, which is a very blanket um, approach that doesn't, doesn't include everybody, then when a teacher can't do it, what I'm noticing increasingly is teachers blaming themselves. Mm-hmm. Teachers saying, I must be a rubbish teacher. I can't do this. I can't control this class. I've got to leave the profession. Behaviour is the second reason that teachers um, are cited for leaving. Um, we all know the first one. So it's, it's really important for me to keep, in my work, to keep that empathy, to keep that remembrance that not everybody is used to challenging situations. And then mm-hmm. I have a puppy 
who has a moment where she barks and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, I mean, I described it as like being in my PGT again. I was like, oh my goodness, this, this is what it's like to be an early career teacher. Because no matter what I was trying with her, nothing, I couldn't get to her. I didn't know how to communicate to her. I started going, it's my fault. I shouldn't have had a puppy. I'm not, you know, I'm not a good puppy mom. I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I need to find her a new home. Mm. And I stopped myself and I was like, whoa this is what trainees and early career teachers say to me about their classes and behavior. And so at the same time as pulling my hair out, I'm like, wow, this little vodka, she is, she's teaching me, you know, she's teaching me to, to, to learn again. And, and the reason she's barking incessantly in that moment is because she's dysregulated Mm -hmm. and she doesn't know how to calm herself down. She's a baby she like she's heard something whatever it is she's barked but then she's done that thing where she ha- she just can't get out of the cycle of barking yeah and yeah I, and i see this in the kids like the kids uh, and and all of us sorry not just saying the kids but like as humans when we are distressed it's very easy for us to get stuck in that cycle and again that comes back to dr rose marie um marie's quote marie's allen's quote which is that when our young people are dysregulated when they are so distressed that they are throwing that chair they are thumping somebody or the other side of the scale they're sitting in the corner scrunched up in a ball under the table rocking and they might not be hurting anybody else in that moment but you know there's still stuff going on there um behaviors getting in the way of learning so in those moments surely it is our job as teachers to start providing the tools building the bridges opening the possibilities so that the learning can be reaccessed um i talk a lot about semh so young people with social emotional mental health issues as an send a special educational need because for me if you if a child has a behavior need so we're talking extreme now but if if a child has a behavior need that is a barrier to learning and it's my job as a teacher to make learning accessible for as many young people as possible so that mm-hmm. as many young people can thrive with their education as possible and hence why i spend time with local authorities academy trusts etc supporting them with their behavior policies so that it is set up from the beginning to account for all the differences to be able to treat everybody equally even when that's not the same such a good answer oh my goodness I'm so glad you're here um <laughs> off off the back of that kind of off the back of the dog and what you're saying about behavior policy so so something I was mm. recently talking to um my recent guest Marie who came on to talk about adoption um because she mm. she was adopted and one of my children is adopted and mm-hmm. so I'm not sure what you think of this Adele but um my my adopted daughter's in nursery and obviously she's very angry a lot of the time and so their um, response was only for her out of you know the class of 20 to make a chart with her name on no one else's name one of those um, name and shame on the wall and um, if she if her behavior you know if if she was angry you know um, shouting they would draw a big sad face on the chart Um, or if she was you know, if everything was okay, they draw a happy face. And they kind of, mm-hmm. they seem to take great delight in drawing the sad faces because they always had like eyebrows and eyelashes and hair. <laughs> like they really went to town. It was like a full Mona Lisa. And um, oh. they they almost, you know, I'd turn up and go, well, how was her day? And they'd, they'd point to the chat, oh, it wasn't a very good day today, you know, pointing mm. at the, the sad face. And and I, re- I really didn't like it. And we've actually, we almost 
took her out of the nursery at that point because it yeah. really didn't fit with with me and and here's why I think it ties in with um vodka not not fully to you know people are different but <laughs> I was saying to Marie how with vodka you know so if I came to your house mm-hmm. and vodka was hiding you know she she was scared she mm. doesn't know me she was hiding like I would understand okay this dog's had a really tricky start in life she's yeah. been shipped over to mm-hmm. a new place like and I would understand like we need to be so considerate empathetic compassionate with with this dog but what i don't always see in education is the space where we think children that have gone through like you say some of the children you've worked with is really traumatic like we can't imagine most of us thankfully cannot imagine you know what these children have been through but it's like oh no let's draw a sad face on a chart um and you know where is the empathy that that we seem to understand with rescue dogs that i don't know Mm. if we always seem to understand (laughs) with children would you agree or disagree with that it's interesting I read a statistic recently, and this is hideous, that apparently donkey sanctuaries get a ridiculously more amount of money donated by the general public than women's refuges. Um, It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, I don't know what that is about us as a species, but we seem to be able to empathise more easily, perhaps, with animals than with other humans. And um, I'm sorry, your daughter had to experience that. That doesn't sound um, particularly conducive to her her happiness in nursery. Um, I think what I what I find when I'm supporting schools, when I'm um, working with teachers, um, I find um, an, a profession of wonderful people on the whole. I love teachers in, mm-hmm. in general. Most people are there for the children, um, and there's just not enough training or support. I mean, most teachers have had half a day's behaviour training back in their ITT and in their initial teacher training and teaching assistants who are often, particularly in the primary model, who are often left with the most challenging situations, with the most distressing behaviour, a lot of them have never had any training around behaviour, attachment, trauma ever. Wow. And so we are putting the least qualified, the least supported, the least experienced, the least paid people. This is what our government is currently doing, putting these people, it's spending the most time with the young people who've got the highest needs. the most. But I mean, at least they know how to teach phonics because they've probably had quite a lot of input on that. <laughs> oh, Poppy, don't get me started. <laughs> no, I feel like, I feel like let's, not, let's not uncork that. But, um, so on, on, on that note, as we both avoid talking about that issue, um, let's quickly go to the news, Adele, if that's okay. You can grab mm-hmm. yourself a drink. Um, we'll Thank be back you. in about nine minutes. So Adele, okay. don't go away. We'll be back in about nine minutes' time. This, this programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go, well-being and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio news the uk labour party will drop its commitment to abolishing university tuition fees according to reports in a range of media outlets 
This is seen by some as another reversal of pledges made by leader Sir Keir Starmer when he first became leader. He told BBC radio outlets that we find ourselves in a different financial situation than when commitments were first made. But he also added that the party was looking at a number of options for reforms to higher education funding. Sakir blamed shifting economic circumstances brought about by the pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Student finance was also in the news as financial expert Martin Lewis outlined the three main changes coming in for new university starters in England in September. Mr Lewis was speaking on Good Morning Britain. So-called Plan 5 student loans come into effect in September, but will not affect those already at university. According to Mr Lewis, finance is swinging further away from taxpayer funding and more towards the individual. Those starting uni in September will start repaying student loans once they reach a salary of £25,000 per year, lower than the current threshold. Currently, those with student loans cease repayments after 30 years, even if the debt is uncleared. However, new students will have to pay for 40 years or until the debt is cleared, whichever comes first. This means that graduates could end up repaying loans for their entire working life. In more positive news, the interest on these loans will be lowered from inflation plus 3% to just inflation. In real terms, this means no additional interest. Mr Lewis went on to give detailed examples stating that currently, the taxpayer pays around 44 pence in the pound towards funding and the student pays 56 pence on average. Under the new system, the state will pay 19 pence in the pound and the student 81 pence on average. Statistically, 53% of those in receipt of a student loan are currently likely to pay it off in full. Projections, however, indicate that those in the new system, only 23% are likely to pay off their loans. Mr Lewis ended by saying that the new system effectively moved payment for higher education from the taxpayer to the student and could be seen as amounting to a graduate tax of £9 above £25,000 a year. In Wales, schools are being urged to review their uniform to make it cheaper for families according to a report on the BBC website. However, the report also says that the Welsh Government has stopped short of calling for school logos on clothes to be ditched, instead saying they should not be compulsory. Education Minister Jeremy Miles said families should be told about changes before the end of term, but head teachers said they were being asked to consider change at what is already a busy time of year. The request came after a consultation which asked for views on how the uniform cost burden could be eased for families struggling with the cost of living. Families on lower incomes can apply for a Welsh Government grant of up to £300 to help with the cost of uniform, but this hasn't always eased the worry for parents. TES magazine reports on comments made by Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Philipson at last weekend's NAHT conference. In a message to head, she said Labour will ensure pupils are taught in each subject. She commented that schools are facing a perfect storm in recruitment and retention in the teaching workforce and that this was forcing more and more schools to rely on non-expert teachers. The Labour Party analysis found that more than one in four physics lessons in the past year has been taught by a non-expert teacher, whilst one in ten maths lessons are taught by a non-expert. It also said research indicated that some teachers were delivering lessons in subjects where they had no relevant post-A-level qualification, including two in three computing teachers and one in four design and technology teachers. 
The comments did not include any clear detail of how the party plans to tackle individual subject shortages. Staying with the recruitment theme, ITV News posed the question, do Britain schools need more male teachers? After research showed that around one quarter of schools in England don't have a male classroom teacher. Some experts argue that it means young people could miss out on having male role models. Although others say it's the quality of the teaching that is important, not the gender of the teacher. The article prompted many to comment that during a recruitment crisis, it was inappropriate to focus on gender rather than skill. This was backed up to an extent by a Channel 4 news piece that focused on National Education Union comments that teachers in England are leaving in droves. The report focused on numbers in the profession after the Department for Education asserted that there are more teachers now than over a decade ago, although they did acknowledge that the need has also grown. The NEU raised the concern that within five years of qualifying, one in three teachers leave the profession. These are figures based on those published by the DfE. This has been a pattern for over a decade. The failure to meet recruitment targets has created further gaps in the workforce. Between 2010 and 2021, vacancies in schools have almost trebled for both full and part-time posts. The programme also featured comparisons of class sizes in England, Scotland and Wales. Smaller class sizes are often seen as a way to reduce workload and therefore could make the profession more attractive. The research shows that Scotland has the lowest average class size amongst the home nations, but the UK compares unfavourably with class sizes internationally, the UK having class sizes above average when compared to Greece, South Korea and Germany. The feature highlights the issue of workload and recruitment as another core aspect of industrial action. Finally, to mark the coronation of King Charles III, the DfE announced that it was joining forces with the Eden Project to send thousands of packets of wildflower seeds to primary schools across the country. In an initiative designed to mark the event as well as help children learn about biodiversity, around 40 rugby pitch-sized meadows could be created. The plan was met with enthusiasm by some, although many have criticised the cost of this at a time when funding for schools is so hotly debated. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about revision. Lots of our young people are turning to social media for advice and the hashtag study tips is full on trending. Get me using buzzwords. I am so down with the kids. Anyway, this could be a secret weapon that you could untap simply by being a devoted listener and not skipping past me on Podbean. We all know there are millions of factors that come into play, like sleep, nutrition, hydration, actually being in school and actively participating, but that doesn't matter on social media. And let's face it, any revision beats no revision. So here is what I've found. Read it 10 times, say it 10 times, write it twice. No research quoted, no posh name, just a good idea that our kids are listening to because it isn't being said by their teacher, yet. Another I found was use flashcards. I mean, why have no teachers ever thought of that? It's okay though, now social media is telling our young people to do it, they will. Just provide cards, writing utensils and a link. One of my favourites, give yourself no other option. Remove all distractions. Switch your phone off and put it in another room. You have no other option but to be incredibly bored or study. Yes, this is a technique that is trending. There are loads of good tips out there, all of which 
we clearly have never tried to use with our pupils. Let me finish with something nobody has ever thought of. Make a revision calendar. Mind blown. We could have been recommending this for years. There are even newly developed methods with catchy titles like the 2357. No, it's not a new Netflix series. You count backwards from the night before the exam. Two days, three days, five days, and seven days, and they are your revision sessions. All of these tips and more have only just been invented, so we seriously need to encourage our young people to get on social media and learn how to revise in the countdown to exam time. As always, if you have a tech question or any revision tips, why not get in touch at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So welcome back, welcome back everybody to the Friday morning break with me, Poppy Gibson, and our very special guest, Adele Bates. Welcome back, Adele. Hello. Just listening to that news. I mean, how long have we got left, Poppy? We could talk about all of those things for ages in <laughs> terms of behaviour. So I feel like we'll have to even get you back on again in the future, please. <laughs> I feel like I've, I mean, I've only scratched the surface of your expertise. <laughs> absolutely. And it's it's worth saying, actually, you know, if you're if you're a listener, um, sitting there thinking oh I really want to ask this question I really want to ask this question um I do do that I have um pick my behavior brain sessions so you can you can jump on a call with me individually and do that as well if we're not if you're sitting there and we're not quite answering yeah but with my class <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah but in my school yeah but on my behavior policy so it, it doesn't have to end here <laughs> that's brilliant thanks Adele. I know people can find you on twitter as well can't they do you want to tell us your handle Yes, on Twitter, I'm Adele Bates Z. That's Adele Bates Z. And my website, where everything is, including lots of free resources, go and use them. You know, anything from what to do when a kid swears at you to how to create a, a useful behavior policy. There's, there's a complete range there. That's on adelebateseducation.co.uk. And you can find the pick my behavior brain sessions there and other stuff for school leaders as well including my mastermind oh amazing thanks so much Adele uh, so I'm kind of weighing up in the last 10 minutes what which question I'm going to put you I know we've had a few more questions uh, come in so maybe if, if you are keen maybe we'll try and get you back in in mm -hmm. a few months um I think I think this is this is a good one that I'd like to ask you we've heard a question come in how do I support staff to get consistency with behavior mm. across the school Oh, is that something the, you've seen issues with? <laughs> the golden nugget, hey? The golden <laughs> magical thing that will solve everything is consistency. Mm -hmm. So unsurprisingly, I get this question a lot as well. And I tackle it um, particularly in my book. It's because it does come up so much. I think sometimes, especially when things are hard, we have this kind of utopia idea that if everything were just consistent, then we'd all be okay. And um, there's, there's a lot of truth in that, but it's not as simple as that. And I think this, is, this comes back to a, a thing I always say in behavior. Um, if there was one way to solve behavior, inverted commas, we would have done that by now. Our prisons would be empty. We wouldn't have detentions and I wouldn't have a job. Like, but because we are human beings, we are always changing. Behaviour is about context. So, for, I mean, the, the lockdowns were just such a perfect example. Um, how many of the behaviour policies across the school became relevant 
once once everybody was in lockdown most of them were absolutely useless pieces of of uh, document at that stage because things are changed so what i'm saying by that is that consistency whilst teaching remotely is very different to consistency within a school consistency in my school is going to be very different than consistency in your school and and this is why consistency i think we just have to be careful yes let's look at it and unpack it which i'm going to do in a second but even before we do that let's just admit to ourselves <laughs> let's just look at the world that we live in the world is always always changing we have seasons we have um different times of day I, i'm just talking real kind of fundamental stuff there about where mm -hmm. we live mm -hmm. and so nothing about the world really has a kind of fixed consistency it's always a flexible consistency the sun always comes up but it does also uh, also always go down and depending on whereabouts you're listening from in your hemisphere that will happen at different times depending on the different um times of the year and even in our bodies, we're young and then we go through puberty and we grow older. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you who are listening who menstruate at different times of the month, our bodies biologically are working differently. And so the and the reason I kind of zoom out firstly is to show that in this picture, then when we come in and go, let's get behavior consistent. What we're doing, if we're not careful, is trying to ignore the fact that we are human beings that keep yeah. changing and evolving. Yeah. <laughs> and so when we look at consistency, we have to start asking, what are we, what are we aiming to be consistent in or of? Um, I'm not sure which um, preposition that should be. Consistent in. Yeah, consistent in. in yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, and how about we're consistent in for a start we aim to be consistent with our kindness with our mm -hmm. understanding with our patience we're not always going to get it but if we're striving for that then when i've got that rule that me that says you have to be silent during the register and subotka has a, oh i've got got her name on my head subotka has a nosebleed and let's say lucy helps her and they then talk because subotka's nose is bleeding and lucy's mm -hmm. giving her a hanky or a tissue and they're talking during the register. Well, hang on, if I'm going to be consistent, it's always silent during the register. Would we mm -hmm. really shout at, or, or you know, punish Lucy for helping her friend who's having a nosebleed? No, of course not. Most teachers that I speak to wouldn't. So um, it's, it's about us finding really what is consistent for, what is, what is useful to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And there may be, though, and that's why I talk about my non-negotiables. I, I mean, it's a little bit semantics, but it helps me. I don't talk about them necessarily as rules because the minute you set up a rule, firstly, at least one child in your class wants to break it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No matter what the rule is, if the rule is don't sit up, don't sit at the desk, there'll be one kid who'll go and sit at the desk. Like guaranteed. Like there's just a, a personality type that loves to break rules. And like, thank goodness, because without those rule breakers, we'd still have apartheid in in countries without those rules women uh, without those rule breakers women wouldn't have a vote without those rule breakers i wouldn't be able to safely be with my same-sex partner in this country like rule breakers are really important people so yeah. every time you set up a rule in a school you're going to have a percentage of kids who are going to try and break it <laughs> and then you're also going to have all those times where it's it doesn't make humane sense to hold it if the kid's leg is falling off 
because they've just broken it and they're screaming and shouting and it's an exam what are you going to do? You, you see what I mean? There's got mm-hmm. to be that. So it's about going, okay, what are our values? What are our, um, what are our non-negotiables that absolutely like going full circle back to the start? 99% of the time we hold those. And if you talk during my register, you know, the consequences you'll spend, you know, break time with me or whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. the consequence is. And 99.9% of the time we are holding that and we're holding that firmly. We haven't really got time to go into it properly, but I guess you'll have talked about it before the importance of boundaries and consistency, especially for young people who've experienced trauma, abuse, neglect. Um, That's about safety. Um, And it's incredibly important to keep it. And there is that 0.01% of the time where we have to allow both our kids and ourselves to be humans. Otherwise, we are literally setting ourselves up for a fall. Wow, such a thoughtful answer. Thank you. Wow, so interesting. And um, you've actually, you've reminded me of quite, obviously something that I've buried from when I was, uh, during the register when I was at primary school, you've just made me think of this, Adele. Yes. Um, so I must have been, I don't know, seven. And I just remember sat next to another girl, also called Poppy, actually. And our name was quite rare, rare in those days. And we were the two Poppies. And I just remember, we, we knew no talking during the register. And she whispered um, our name. And then the oh. teacher thought it was me. And I got in trouble. <gasps> Oh, and no. to, to this day actually you've you've reminded me and but also I think picking your battles like depending mm-hmm. on the needs of your class as well just thinking yeah. like you say where should those non-negotiables sit when you know yes. the needs of your class yeah um but yes yeah, su- such a good point about boundaries as well that's amazing yeah I, I mean know, something I, I don't know how something much more can we say in two minutes <laughs> I, can, I can do this in two minutes um okay, something that I share a lot about the the book is miss I don't give a shit engaging with challenging behavior in schools and the reason it's that is because I think you're absolutely actually Bodka's telling me we're near the end as well. She's just woken up and got chewy. She's like, that's <laughs> it. Interview's over. Um, oh, but, <laughs> but like, um, you're absolutely right. If a kid is coming into school for the first time in three weeks because they've been school refusing, but they happen to swear at me, I, you know, it is that choice, isn't it? Of course, we need to we do need to deal with the um, the swearing and if that kid has not been in school for three weeks, how about hello and welcome to school being the first conversation so that they're more likely to come again? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So it's, it's also about knowing the children, isn't it? You know, the yes. the teacher being aware of that child's situation, the fact they haven't been in for those weeks and, and having that compassion again. Yeah. Wow, and also, a- there's I have lots of resources that share how you do that, even when you've got 33 in the class. As the news was saying we have some of the biggest classes and, and often people say to me, but how can I know all my teachers? I do have lots of tips and strategies for that. We haven't got time to share now, but um, yeah, you know, look at my work and you'll, you'll find some, some answers. Thank you. And I, and I think it's just so valuable to know there is support out there, particularly for, you know, ECTs who are, who are yes. realising, you know, you leave the safety of teacher training and suddenly mm-hmm. you've got your own class and, and so much to learn. But I think just, you know, we, we've all been there. Just just reach out, whether that's finding groups on Twitter, on other socials, like mm. find and learn from each other, find inspiration. Don't don't look so much maybe at the, those perfect classrooms on Instagram yes. <laughs> because it's not about having... The, the pastel laminates in my opinion it's about these deeper oh, no. things that we've spoken about today Adele about knowing your class and if, if you don't have that that respect and those boundaries and, and those conversations in place it doesn't matter what your classroom looks like does it no I think it's also worth saying I mean another rhetoric that's really frustrating me from the Department of Education around behavior at the moment 
is this idea that there's one way to do behavior and ergo there's one type of person and often that person is portrayed tom and um, touched on it at the start is portrayed as someone a bit like the demon headmaster for those, those of you he just <laughs> played that um but this idea that it has to be um like let's not beat around the bush usually male um somebody very kind of disciplined and very shouty and um lots of punishment and the thing is the way i do behavior successfully is going to be very very different to the way that you do and that's okay mm -hmm. that's allowed you know because i mean we all know i used to work with a colleague his his lessons were like a Eurovision song contest. There was like <laughs> me, he was he was amazing. NFL. There was like music and teams and marbles and points, deux points, trois points, all this stuff. Wow. And yet and yet down the corridor, Mrs. Singh didn't move from her spot, hardly said any words, and all she needed to do was raise her left eyebrow and the entire class was silent. Now we mm. mustn't take that away from our, our staff that to be ourselves is, is one of the most useful ways to manage behavior. If, if we asked Mrs. Singh to do a Eurovision Song Contest, that wouldn't work and vice versa. And I think particularly with the early career teachers, there seems to be this pressure of, you need to do the behavior in this way. And if you don't, you failed. You know? And I think a lot of the training I do with early career teachers and trainees is about us finding our own ways, because if, it's, if it works for us, then it's sustainable then we're talking long-term teaching not a burnout because i'm trying to do it like mr rogers down the corridor when that's not that's not going to work for me or vice versa mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, and I think as well, another key thing I'd say for particularly any ECTs, but actually teachers of any age listening, like do go and see what other people are doing as well. Yes. Because I think, yeah. you know, you might have been taught a certain thing on your teacher training, but it's only when you go and see, you know, Mrs. Singh raising her eyebrow and the guy yeah. doing the revision. And, and then like you say, Adele, find, find what's authentic for you. So yeah. you can be that authentic educator that you need to be. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm ready to go back into the classroom now after this yes. talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so gorgeous. I do get that feedback often that um, after my my working with the school, they're like, oh, we're re-motivated again. I'm like, good, because <laughs> we're brilliant people. And I think that often teaching staff, teaching assistants, pastoral, all included, we forget how brilliant we are. There's some amazing mm -hmm. work going on every single day for that one child who's struggling or, you know, this class with a behaviour issue. There is some brilliant stuff going on. So I just, you know, I think it's important we celebrate it as well. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, we're brilliant. Teaching is brilliant. Schools are brilliant. And it's just, you know, finding those things that, that make us remember that, isn't it? Mm -hmm, <laughs> Focusing on those joys. Oh, well, Adele Bates, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show this morning on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Um, there've been lots of tweets going around on Twitter, so do catch up with them later. If anyone wants to follow Adele on Twitter, it's at Adele Bates Z. Uh, do you give her a follow and I'm sure she'll be happy to answer any questions from you. Um, and hopefully Adele, I'm going to manifest that maybe we can get you back on the show in the future, please. Aww, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish you a wonderful weekend with your little pup, Adele. Thank you. Yes. She and, is uh, definitely like, come on, mom, what are you doing? You're still chatting. <laughs> She's definitely well, doing that we were talking about her for part of it so yeah <laughs> well enjoy the weekend both of you and speak to you soon all right Ta you've Bye. been listening Bye. to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio